0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. So many good things happening. All right, y'all ready to go? We are in week number three of our little mini-series, maybe four or five weeks that we are calling Made. And the truth that God made you, of course, is all throughout the Bible, and most of us in this room, we already believe that. We believe that God is the maker of the heavens and the earth. We believe that he made us. Uh, but the implications of his making of us, they truly are endlessly good. Psalms 139, verse 14, our title verse, right? It says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. made. That's right. Yeah, you are wonderful. Look at your neighbor and say, you are wonderful. Come on, tell him. Some of us just need to hear that simple encouragement today, don't we? I mean that, like wholeheartedly. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to jump straight in. We're going to go deep fast. A lot of us, I mean, we have a lot of ground to cover. God has a word for us, and I believe we all need it. Are you all good with that? You all good? Are you all ready to go? Are you all ready to go? Yes. All right, I'm going to read a passage. It's going to be our key passage for the day. Then we're going to back up and read a lot more context around this passage. But we're going to be in Ephesians 4. We're going to start in verse 23. It says this, be made new. In the attitude of your mind. We caught that, right? Be made new. Everyone say, be made new. be made new. Be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Whoa. All right. This is a lot. Here we go. Did you guys read that and think that is quite a bit? That is incredibly daunting, right? The first part is enough where he says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. I think most of us, if we're believers, we're like, okay, I get it. Like we're supposed to be like put on the mind of Christ. We're supposed to be humble. We're supposed to be sacrificial. We're supposed to be loving. But then he goes on and what does he say? He says, this is a bit crazy. Paul writes, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Anyone anyone, like really thought about this line? Created to be like God. My new self, the Jesus-y faithful self is supposed to be like God. Anyone else already feeling that that's a bit much? How you doing with that one, right? Of course, he didn't say created to be God or become equal to God. And when he says to be like God, well, of course, scholars would comment on this passage and say this is an echo of the sentiment and the the title that we get in Genesis uh, on humanity as image bearers of God, We are created in the image of God, meaning we are the reflection of him, meaning a reflection mimics but isn't the real thing. So we mimic and we become like him even though we aren't him. I think we get that. So here's where we're going to go today. We are going to talk about the new self. We are made, and then we are being remade by Jesus. One more time, I'm going to have you say one more thing to your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, we are being remade. (laughs) Say, you are being remade. So we aren't just God-made, we are remade. Jesus told a man named Nicodemus, he said that every person needs to be born again. This is what it says in John chapter 3. And Nicodemus took this kind of literally. And he was like, what do you mean, Jesus? Are we supposed to enter into our mother's womb again? No, Nicodemus, that's disgusting (laughs) and gross. That's not what he meant. What are you talking about? He says we must be born again spiritually. This is why the term born again is used when we talk about salvation and surrendering our life to Christ, because there is a spiritual rebirth. How many of you guys know that? There is a spiritual rebirth, a new beginning, and from that spiritual rebirth, we have a new self, and as a believer, this new self is pushing against the old self, although parts of the old self immediately fall away at salvation, there are old self fragmentations that are holding on to you through your flesh. You guys get that? Like, we are aware, if we are a believer, that there is a spiritual battle going on between our flesh and the Spirit of God in us. And the Spirit is trying to push out the enemy, which works through our flesh. Are you all with me? So we're going to back up, and we're going we're gonna to read the whole context of this whole be like God thing. In Ephesians 4, we're going to go back to verse 11. I'm going to read for a little bit, talk about it, and then we're going to talk some more. You guys good? Here we go. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. He, he made them to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Sidebar, just so you know, in case you've ever wondered, uh, yes, Christ is the one who set up the church and its leadership, meaning this is not a man-made structure or calling. It is a God's A God calling. Are you all with me? Verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everyone say mature. Mature. Say mature. Mature. You sound so much more mature, right? (laughs) Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. How many know that we have to watch out for people? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Life would be easy if it wasn't for people, but just remember, you are people, right? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become very, in in, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So Paul is saying, listen, we have to be mature. We have to be strong. We We can't be like babies our entire life that get tricked and led astray by every deceitful and... And, and, and crafty teaching, right? From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There's a lot going on in this passage, a lot of deep conviction, meaning we all own the cause, right? We all share in the mission. Each part does its work. Each one of us does its work. None of us None of us come to consume. We all serve the body. This is not a feeding trough, right? This is not a place where it's a show where we consume. No, no, no. It is the church of believers who understand that God has a pur- purpose for us. That is maturity. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Paul's like, listen, I'm serious. I must insist on it. For some reason, you aren't getting this holiness thing. For some reason, you think just because they wear it, they do it, they go there, they, they are that way, that you should do the same thing. He says, don't be like the Gentiles. Gentiles, of course, represent people who don't know God. So don't live like them. How many you know that there are way too many Christians in today's world that are living just like the Gentiles? That are living, we don't use the word Gentiles, so people who are non-believers, people who, who don't follow Christ So what happens is many of us who follow Jesus, we don't live all that much different than non-Christ followers, but many of us who follow Jesus, we just live with a little bit more guilt than them. (laughs) God, I'm sorry, forgive me, give me your grace, and we move on and continue to live like them. Paul says, I insist on this, stop, you can't do this. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Doesn't this feel great? That, right? But he's talking about someone else. If you know Christ, he's not talking about you. He's talking about people who don't know God. He says, they let their feelings dictate and their desires have authority in their life, meaning, Feelings are important. God created them, but God didn't create them to have authority over you, right? Society says that's okay. Society says do you. You be you, man. Society says whatever you feel, go and do it. This is the basis and the foundation of relative truth, meaning if you feel one way and another person feels another, it's okay, there's two truths. But that is not what God's word says. There is a truth that he gives to us. And just because you feel differently than what he said does not give you authority to change that truth. Then Paul says this. He says a great word in verse 20. He says that. Everyone say that. That. Yeah, that, 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 that. He's pointing at that. He says, however is not the way of life you learned. All that stuff from your past, all that that is more like the Gentiles, all that that you're doing, that doesn't mean and that doesn't look like a person who's been rescued by God. Yeah, all that It's not the way of life you learn. Paul is talking to a group of disciples who have learned the ways of Jesus. And he's like, yeah, all that Gentile stuff that you got in your life, I have to insist. I have to insist that you no longer do that. (laughs) Why? Because he doesn't want us to be tossed back and forth by every wave. He wants us to be mature and strong. So he says in verse 21, when you heard about Christ You were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Christ Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. Meaning we all have a past, right? Remember, we all have a past. We talked about that last week. We got to put off the old self. Let that old self go. Let go of those chains. Get up. Drop the chains. Follow God out of prison. That's what we talked about last week, right? Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To go and be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Is this enough of the Bible today? Are we reading the Bible? I need a little more activity. I need a little more, a little more interaction today. I'm just feeling I need it. Are you guys getting enough Bible today? Okay. This is the Bible. This is the word of God that's active alive, sharper than any double-edged sword that will pierce both joint and marrow. It will go all the way to your heart. This is supposed to penetrate your heart. Okay, take a deep breath. (laughs) I just got to get through the word there. So we are created to be like God, which is in return, which is a return to the garden. We are created in the image of God. So according to Paul, your old self, your past self is still with you until the day in which you enter into his glory in heaven. And that old self is always being corrupted by deceitful desires. Deceitful desires don't always mean, just so you know, it's not like the the worst case scenario. It's not like, oh, you know, now I'm, I'm going back to my old way of life. I'm going to start stealing again. Or I'm going to go back to my addiction or I'm going to start sleeping around or going and sniffing paint or whatever it was, right? <laughs> it may include those things. Deceitful desires can include those things, but deceitful desires also means that the enemy will work to trick you, to deceive you to believe that your past disqualifies you, that your past is too shameful to talk about, your past does not disqualify you. you know, I hope you know that. It doesn't disqualify you from doing great things for God in his kingdom, for doing great things in your life. Some of you need to hear that today. You're not disqualified. You are worthy of great things because you have a great God who loves you. But the old self has a grip on us. Think about your family. This isn't everybody, but th- some of us. You go home to your family and you become the old self. The reason is because you don't know how to be the new self in an environment that knows you as the old self. And so you default back to the old self and deceived into not being the new self in an old world. I wonder how many of us do that. It's hard. And it's why we call it a spiritual battle. This is the battle we all have to take on every day between the flesh and what it wants to do, which is disobey the spirit and also the spirit that lives in us that longs to worship and obey God. About three years ago, we decided that we would, we did not want our dog Brody to go upstairs in our house. So we wanted him to stay downstairs. We didn't want him to go upstairs where the carpet was. We are not cruel. We are not abusive. We just didn't want to go upstairs. We did not try to limit him, but we are in control. He's a dog. So we got a gate. We got a gate. We put up a little doggy gate that prevented him from going upstairs. Now, he had been going upstairs for years, and so when this gate got introduced to him, there was a new reality for Brody to take in. And so he, every day, would go up to that gate. He'd try to get around that gate, over that gate, through that gate. He would cry, and he would whine at the gate, and I would look at him, and I would not break because I am his master. (laughs) But eventually, guess what happened? The gate became something he quit thinking about. The point... There was a point in which he decided, I'm not even going to go near the gate. The temptation was gone. Now, we still have the gate to this day, but occasionally we'll forget. We'll move the gate. We'll forget to put it back. It'll be gone for like a week. And even while it's gone, at no point does Brody approach where the gate used to be. He never goes back upstairs. In other words, he won't take the path of his old self because he's made a new way of life, accompanied by a new mind and a new, new attitude, no longer under the mind of the old self, but now being made into a new self. Now, who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? And if a dog can do it, so can you, all right? That's what I'm trying to say. Listen, we have to put up gates in our lives to show, totally shut things down in order to become new. The path to the promise of God cannot be one where we accept the love of God, but then have free access to continue our life in the old self. We have to put gates up that rid ourselves of that person. Paul says, put that off. Put it off. Be made new by what you've been taught when you heard about Christ. Most of us, though, we are more loyal to our old self than we'd ever like to admit. I get it. At times... The old self is more comfortable than the new self. It's like putting on that old sweatshirt, right? It's like going back to your hometown and like feeling all that nostalgia. We all like nostalgia, but if nostalgia gets in the way of you becoming who you're supposed to be, it's not nostalgia anymore. It's a hindrance. So many of us have a habit of defending the way that it's always been and the way we've always been. We actually defend our old self. Let me give you some examples. We defend our outbursts of anger and say, oh, that's just the way I am. We defend our fears and say, oh, I'm just someone who likes, you know, I always am a worrier. I'm a worrywart. Wor-. <laughs> we defend our lack of courage and say, oh, I, I'm not, I, I don't like risks. Mm-mm. I'm safe. We defend our lack of trust and we say, oh, yeah, someone hurt me in the past, so I, I just can't trust anybody anymore. It's just the way I am. We defend our, our, our lack of, you know, our, the distance, the, the stiff arm we kind of keep, the arm's length we keep maybe at church because we went to a church before that did something stupid. They hurt us. They, we, we, we got upset about it. And so now we're just like, I'm just going to stay on the fringes. I've, I've, I've plunged in before and it just doesn't work. Or, or we defend our sin and we say, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody has their weakness. This is just mine. We, we, we defend our unforgiveness and say, yeah, yeah, did, did you know what they did to me? They don't deserve my forgiveness. We defend the old self. We are loyal to who we used to be. We defend our old self to the bitter end. Why do we do this? We will justify the existence of our fragmented old self dragging it along with us as we try and be the new self. And then we wonder why every wind and wave comes along and it knocks us over. We wonder why every storm comes up and we almost drown. Maybe because you're carrying around a bunch of dead weight. We need to cut it loose. We defend our old self by saying, that's just me. That's just who I am. I'm just being real. That's just, you know, the, the, this, we are distorting authenticity when we do that, by the way. We're distorting it when we use it to defend our old self. Uh, that's just the way I am. No, 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 no. That, Jesus didn't say, hey, bro, if you're real, you're going to be happy and I'm going to be happy with you. He didn't call us to be real. I heard a preacher say it this way. He didn't call us to be real. He called us to be righteous. That's what he says at the end of verse 24, to put on the new self created, be like God and true righteousness and holiness. This feels really like a lot right? Putting up gates between ourselves and the old self is often pitted as, oh, you're just, you know, being legalistic. There's a lot of restrictions, some crazy idea. Because I just got to say this, even though all things are permissible, not all things are beneficial, is what Paul says in another scripture, right? When Christy and I first got married, uh, we made a choice that we would not watch certain types of movies and TV shows We believe there isn't anything beneficial to the new self I'm trying to become by filling our minds with shows that have, you know, all sorts of sexual immorality and pervasive swearing. So we just decided to put a gate there. Entertainment is just one example, right? I mean, we could say the same thing about money and how we spend our money and materialism. We could say the same thing about, you know, maybe the way we do politics or whatever it may be. But gates are not restrictive unless you want to be the old self gates are actually markers of how you've been changed gates are actually markers to say you know what i put on the attitude the new self the new mind of christ in that spot now i think it's good to acknowledge at this point that not all of your old self is bad that you were actually created you weren't a good for nothing before you you know came to know christ like god created us in the garden as good we are talking about the old self, though, that is born of sin, the peace of us that's full of greed and pride and selfishness and anger, all sorts of perversion and drunkenness and immorality. Like that, that person, Paul says, put that off. That's what you need to put off. Paul writes enough of that. Now he starts by seeing, saying to be made new in the attitude of your mind, which I think is interesting. That's where he says to start being made new. As I prayed on this this week, the simple example of just, you know, sometimes I can wear, you know, new looking clothes on the outside but then i can have an old attitude on the inside and for example have you ever smiled at someone and then under your breath you're cursing them (laughs) right i want to show you a tool that i learned through my work with giant i'll show you in a second but some of you know about giants an organization that works to kind of uh uh, unlock leaders, build great companies. Jeremy Kubicek, who spoke here last month, is the founder of Giant. And they have this amazing content. And I actually became a guide with Giant last year where I get to occasionally trying to hopefully do more, you know, work with leaders and companies to kind of just, it's kind of a pastoring in the business world, right? Well, one of the foundational tools of Giant is called Know Yourself to Lead Yourself. And I'll just show it to you. But Know Yourself to Lead Yourself starts here at the bottom with this word tendencies, that we all have Tendencies right? We all have tendencies. Some are good and some are bad. For example, I hit three, I hit snooze three times in the morning. That's my tendency. I want to be a no snooze person. I want the alarm to go off and pop up out of bed, but I am a three snooze person. You can judge me if you want. That would be your tendency, right? <laughs> to judge me right now, right? Right. Wait, I have, I used to have the tendency to rush people when they were talking to me. Uh huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, you know what I mean? But now I've, you know, Praise Jesus, he set me free of that, right? But I used to, I mean, I do have the tendency to overwork and underplay. I have the tendency to be an over and I hate it. I have the tendency to be an over-talker. And they're laughing over here because they know me or something. I don't like it. I have a tendency right now to call them out, right? I have good tendencies. Not all my tendencies are bad. I have a lot of bad tendencies. I'm not going to tell you about any more of them because you guys would just hold them over my head. But I have good tendencies. I tend to be a good problem solver. I tend to be proactive, And to make stuff happen, I tend to be patient with processes with people. To lead myself, I have to know myself. Because when I understand my tendencies, I understand there's a pattern in my life. And those patterns lead to actions. And those actions will lead to consequences, which lead to my reality. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like there is with where it starts with our tendencies, it leads to a reality. And Paul is saying, I want you, I want you to understand that you not only that you need to, to look at your own mind. Because here's what we typically do, by the way. We typically look at the tendencies of other people, don't we? We like to look at their tendencies and kind of measure them up, whether it be your spouse or your family member or a friend or a coworker or whatever. But what does Paul say? He says, be made new in the attitude of your mind. Put on the new self. He's talking about you. In other words, you need to know yourself in order to lead yourself. He want, you want to put on the old self, or excuse me, you want to put off the old self, You want to stop living like your old self, then get a hold of your tendencies that you often drift back to. Quit trying to find a way through the doggy gate. (laughs) I'm going to show you a different tool. And I hope this tool will really help as well about being made new in the attitude of your mind. I call it the new mind. This isn't a giant tool, this is an OKC community born and bred tool. (laughs) Holler right. (laughs) The new mind. The new mind. So I could have put uh, 100 different words up here on this tool, but I prayerfully chose these six words. On one side, we have criticism, sloth, victim. On the other side, gratitude, discipline, and warrior. The column on your left represents what we could call the old self or the old mind, and the column on the right represents the attitude of the new mind or the new self, right? Now, I would go as far as to say that the old self is a spirit of, and the new self is of spirit. Now, follow me with this one. Sometimes things possess a spirit that is ungodly, born of the flesh, or even an evil spirit. It's a spirit of something. While other things are full of the spirit, there are things that have a spirit of and other things that have a presence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Are you all following me? You good with this? You following this? Sometimes, you ever heard someone say you have a critical spirit, you have a lazy spirit, maybe a victim mindset? Like these are things that are a spirit of these things. On the contrary, someone could be a person that's, uh, has a lot of gratitude that is full and born of the spirit, a discipline that is fueled by his spirit, or a warrior. And I know there's a lot of ways we can go with warrior, but have you ever met someone that is a warrior that's full of the Holy Spirit? Right? Like these are the giant slayers, these are the change agents, these are the history makers, people who take on the warrior mindset full of God's power, right? These are the people that change the world. Romans 8 talks about this very thing, extensively and beautifully. Romans 6, I mean, excuse me, Romans 8 verse 6 says this, the mind governed." By the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, if you're following this, and if this is like, if you're on the logic train with me, this is exactly what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. Do not act like people who don't know God. Don't live with a mind governed by the flesh. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit. There it is, of spirit. Everybody say, of spirit. spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life. God is the giver of life, the enemy is takers of life, and we are the livers of life because of God. Because of righteousness. Didn't call, he didn't call you to be real, called you to be righteous. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, which is a powerful spirit, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give, your life, give life to your mortal bodies, which, by the way, your mortal bodies are dead in sin, but he's going to resurrect you with the same power because of his spirit who lives in you. How I many you know that's pretty powerful? How I many you know that's good news? This is incredible. This is a passage telling us straight up, live with a mind governed of the spirit. This gives life. Be made new. Did you know that sometimes the Bible doesn't make room for a patty cake faith? But we like to live the patty cake faith. Paul doesn't write, listen, I know it's hard to put off the old self. So here's what I want you to do tomorrow. Instead of dropping 10 F-bombs, drop five. (laughs) He didn't say that. He's like, no, no, no. Put off the old self. We like to sin manage. We're like, well, I sinned a little less yesterday than I did today. Like we like sin management because we feel like we can just get a little better as we go. It's about how how can I walk the line as best as I can. We make faith in Jesus this general call to be a good person and go to church. But faith in Jesus is not a general call. It's a radical one. It's one that says, I'm putting off the old so I can become the new. I am not going to let my past limit my future. I am going to step into who God made me to be, which is one with an attitude that is new, made and born of Christ, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to become that person. I will put the gates up. I will become that person because God has done so much for me, and he is calling me into who he created me to be. I don't want that old self. That old self is dragging me down. It's stealing life from me. That old selfie ain't no good anyway. She isn't any good anyway. Why do I why do I defend it? Why don't I become something better? The person God's created me to be, the person God has inside of me. Are you all with me? Mm. Put on the attitude of the new self that is born again of the spirit. Now listen, today I don't want anyone to hear something. This is what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear legalism or shame or be better even, we are all in process. Many of you have had a difficult journey in your life. Many of you have grown up in families and environments that are a far cry from the new self that we're supposed to be. It's very different. We are all in process. We are all becoming... We all have our own unique journey with God, and I celebrate that, and I realize that like, God's going to do something different in you than he's done in me. I get all that. My hope today is, though, that you hear something, that you hear clarity from the word of God. Clarity from the word of God. Clarity that distinguishes bad doctrine that someone taught you a long time ago that sin is okay. Clarity from, from the bad examples of people you see in your life that don't live like this, that still live like the Gentiles, but they claim Jesus. Jesus clarity that God's works calls us different, to a different sort of life, distinguishes us, sets us apart. Remember, we've been saying it for three weeks. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart for a special work. You are my chosen people, my royal priesthood. He's like, listen, you are special. And if you will live into who I've called you to be, you will experience a life that you could have never imagined. I'm not talking I'm not talking about sin management or legalism. I'm talking about a life that loves God with all of your heart and pursues him with everything you have. So I'm going to close with this. But these three examples I specifically chose today, I believe the three in the left column definitely can become tendencies in our life that we default to as an old way of thinking. And we say something like, ah, that's just the way I am. So the first one, very quickly, I'm gonna talk about these, but a critical spirit. Listen, there is a place for healthy criticism and critical thinking, but a critical spirit is something entirely different. And some of us have the tendency to be critical instead of grateful. We, we become critical of people in our family or, or people in the church or our coworkers or critical of people we, we see on our social media scrolls. We start criticizing them because of whatever they posted. And this typically stems from an area of our life, just so you know, it's not about them, it's about you. It's about an area in your life that you're unhealthy. So when we feel undervalued or overworked or or jealous or we have an insecurity, we become critical of others. While I was on sabbatical this summer, um, this is one of the strong words the Lord spoke to my heart. I wrote this down, but walk with gratitude full of the spirit in order to defeat the spirit of criticism. And when I'm authentically grateful, my mind will not be critical. So the question is, which spirit will you partner with? The spirit of something or the thing that is of spirit? So secondly, a lazy spirit or a slothful spirit. Sloth, everybody's ready for that one today, right? This may sound a little unusual to talk about sloth, but this is, of course, listed in what's called the seven deadly sins, which are pride, envy, anger, sloth, greed, lust, and gluttony. By the way, those are not listed in the Bible as the seven deadly sins in any particular passage, but in church tradition, these seven things have been identified as the areas of sin in our life that will destroy us. Some of you tend to be a person who defaults to spiritual laziness. So I'm not talking about slothfulness or laziness of someone who just doesn't get off the couch, although that's not a good thing either. But I'm talking about the idea of spiritual laziness, spiritual slothness, meaning we get get, uh, in a place where we take God for granted, coast on the generalities of what faith means, But spiritual laziness is the person that says, you know what, I'm just going to show up here and there. I'm just going to kind of somewhat do the patty cake version of faith. But remember, faith is not a general call. It's a radical one. And God's blessing most often comes through the rod of discipline. I won't even say any more on that, but I hope you caught it. So many people have the tendency to be spiritually lazy. And if that's your tendency, what is God calling you to? What's the new actions, the new consequences that lead to a new reality and lastly the spirit of being a victim a victim mindset i'm not even talking on these as a really big message point i just wanted you to catch like our tendencies that we have in life this is this mentality is so damaging this is the belief that it's always someone else's fault there's always an excuse someone else to blame for everything you feel isn't right about your life or good about your life and when you live under this spirit it's a spirit of something right It's one that deceives and feeds, by by, by the way, the other two spirits of criticism and sloth, that there's always a person to blame. There's always someone else at fault. And and as a result, you can't do anything about it. But I just want to say this on this. Sometimes being a victim is a real thing. So this is not in reference to those who've been victims of abuse, physical, verbal, sexual abuse. This is not in reference to those who've been victims of crimes or even victims of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm talking about something else. I'm not talking about real victims. I'm talking about the victim mindset that undresses the armor of God off you so that the enemy can defeat you with excuses and the blame game that defends the old self that you're letting run your life. That's the victim mindset. We are warriors, not victims. In Ephesians 6, there's no, it's no coincidence that Paul uses the armor of God when he says, when you are full of the spirit and you use the things that I have given you through my word, we are a warrior for Christ, right? We are more than a conqueror is what it says in Romans. David in the Old Testament, right? He didn't need much. He needed one rock. He needed, he needed courage from the living God to slay the giant, right? That Jesus himself, we know this, but he wasn't a victim. Even though he was nailed to a cross and beaten brutally, the spirit, while that was happening, was beating the enemy down, defeating evil, bringing victory. Jesus is a warrior and the word calls us to be like him. So what are your tendencies on the daily? It's a little bit of where I'm going today. This is a little bit of what this message is about. Is If for you to start saying, you know, if I'm going to be made new, what do I have to pay attention to? What are the patterns in my life that I need to stop that? Paul insists on it. He says, stop that. So what do we do? Three things, then we'll be done. Number one, you can go to the next slide. Don't live like the Gentiles. Don't do that. <laughs> put up a gate in your life if you need to. Number two, identify your tendencies. Know yourself to lead yourself. And number three, be, be a grateful, disciplined warrior, full of the spirit. Like, I know each one of those three is like, well, I, I, every one of them will take thought. Every one of them will take intention. Every one of them will be like, I'm going to reflect on that. There's a lot to think about with each of these points. But do you need to put up a doggy gate to stay away from things? Maybe it's a gate from the way you build a budget around your life so you don't overspend. Maybe it's a gate f- with people that are doing damage in your life. There's all sorts of ways to be grateful through the way you worship, through the way you journal. I, I've, been, I've been journaling for 20 years, not every day, not all the time, sometimes more than others. But mostly when I journal, it's about, it's about just saying, God, I'm grateful for this. Who am I grateful for? Why am I grateful? What am I grateful for? And you know what? There's not enough journals, there's not enough songs, there's not enough prayers to tell God how grateful we are for him, right? There's never enough. Perhaps it's a discipline for you. Perhaps it's this warrior-victim thing. I don't know what it is for you, but be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on the new self. That's who God made you to be. So I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to close this time by just saying, okay, God, this was a word that was just straight out out of the Bible to say, okay, let's chew on it. So I'm going to pray, but I'm going to pray God's word sinks into your heart right now. That something comes out of it where you're like, Lord, I want to, I want, I want to allow this word to, to bring clarity to who I'm becoming. Because remember, we're all becoming. And the question is always, do I like who I'm becoming? Is it who God made me to be? Would you bow your heads? In fact, in fact let's all stand together. Would you stand with me as we pray? We're going to pray and then we're going to worship just a little bit. And while we worship, of course, this altar will be open. But Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us a second chance. We thank you for the rebirth by your spirit. Lord, I I just want to pray for each person in the room. Lord, would your spirit draw near right now? You may be here and, I just, and you may be wanting to say, I just had this picture, like you just want to say, Lord, would you fill me up? Because here's what I know. As we all leak <laughs> and we get drained and we get empty, maybe you're just like, "Lord, would you fill me up with Your presence today?" I pray for anyone feeling compelled today to cry out in faith. anyone saying, "Lord, change me," anyone saying, "Lord, heal me," Lord, help me. Lord, I need You. I pray for anyone who needs to cry out in faith today. The Lord, You give them the courage to do so right now. Holy Spirit, would You come in this room? We pray freedom to break loose chains. We pray freedom to break through today to people's hearts. Only you have the power to do that, Father. We, we declare that today in Jesus' name. We love you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.